Hello and welcome to the Get Around It podcast NFL Midseason Awards. We have some big awards to give out, like MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, and also some we've come up with ourselves. But before we get into all that, how do we feel? We made it to the midseason, and what a season it's been so far. Oh my god! I was waiting for Megan to say something. I was waiting for Tim. I had, I had nothing to say. I was hoping Tim said something. Uh, yeah, no, Ben. Great start to the season. Um, you know, ups and downs, of course. Unfortunately, we have had two losses in in three weeks, but that's all right. You know, Seattle will keep moving forward, and <laughs> but you know, at least I have a quarterback. Sucks to suck. I'm the only one who didn't lose this week. Sucks to mm. suck. I know it's oh, weird. Man. It's weird, Zach. It's weird being six and two. I, I mean, you've probably felt that a little bit more because you've been six and two for longer. Um, how does it feel? Or how does I'll it feel? Honest, like we've actually, we've actually been six and two the same amount of times because we only became six and two this week as well. So, oh, of course, I apologize. I meant having two losses on your record. Look, look, it starts off not feeling great, but you get over yeah. it. Okay, great. That's how I'll it feels. Ben, how do you how feel? F- <laughs> What's it like down there, though? <laughs> um, not optimistic about the future of this team. Kind of ready for us to lose the rest of the games this season, the way that our offense has been going. But, uh, you know, it's okay because my second team's the Cardinals. So. Oh, my God, of course it is. Oh, they had a good, they had a good <laughs> week as well, Both your teams Good week for the Cardinals. Nice. Tim, remind me, you have two losses. One of them, what was one of those teams that you lost to? Uh, the Arizona Cardinals. That's that's what I thought. Let's keep the chat to a minimum then. Okay, but ben, 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 Ben. Let's not forget, your number one team is the Chicago Bears. Yeah, he's got you there. He does got me there. And they scored but zero least... points in the th- first three quarters. That's pretty yeah, impressive. I know, I know. I have to watch it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it literally never gets not unfunny. <laughs> I really wish that the Bears and the Seahawks were playing this season because I reckon the Seahawks are the only team that we could score points against. Uh, I'm, I'm, I would not be surprised. <laughs> I would not be surprised. You put up record points. <laughs> that would actually be a shootout. Nick Foles oh, and Russell yeah. Wilson. Nick Foles versus Russell Wilson. Big oh. Nick, Nick wins in double overtime with six touchdown passes. I'm really trying to figure out a, um, a little a transition to, into uh, uh, our next... Into our next, uh, or I guess not our next, but our first award. So let's just go straight into it then. Um, <laughs> we're going to be doing Rookie of the Year first, and I think it's a group consensus. But just to make sure, I'll ask. You know what? I'll ask Zach first. Who do you think the, the voice of, of reason? Year? Voice of reason. Excellent choice. Mm-hmm. I think we are all the same. It's Mr. Justin Herbert for me. Um, reasons probably the most composed rookie quarterback I've ever watched personally mm-hmm. um watching the Raiders game this week I don't know if you watched it but there's a play where you can literally see him make like multiple reads off one play you can see him go for plan a plan b plan c which a lot of quarterbacks I you know who have five six seven years can't do but he can already do it shame his win-loss record is so appalling but I think everyone would agree it's probably not his fault so I've got Justin Herbert rookie of the year Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I had to take Justin Herbert. I wanted to take Clyde Edwards-Alaire just because I love him so much. Of but I thought, I thought, you know what, Justin Herbert is a bad, bad man. I mean, and he looks better than Joe Burrow, which I think is what a lot of people 
didn't think was going to happen. I think we all sort of thought at the beginning of the season that Joe Burrow was going to be an easy offensive rookie of the year pick. But here we are midway through the season and it's easily Justin Herbert. Mm. Mm. And I think what surprised a lot of people, especially because he's coming out of Oregon and they're not necessarily known for letting their quarterbacks experiment or let loose, but he's already got 17 touchdowns and only five interceptions with only seven games played. That's the most touchdowns, I believe, through the first seven games of someone's career. So that's overtaking Sir Patrick Mahomes, which is pretty crazy to think about. I mean, you know, like you said, um, the record's not great, but in all six of those losses, they were within seven points. So it's not like he's playing them out of the games. He's poised. He's he's mobile in the pocket. He's everything Philip Rivers used to be, plus more. So I think they've found their quarterback for the future. And I think as long as he doesn't have 12 kids... He's the um, he could be a future MVP, but this year's rookie of the year for us. Question: Do we think Tua, if he started week one, would have beaten out Justin Herbert? No, because I don't think Tua was healthy enough, or he hadn't. Uh, yeah, he. I'm saying yeah, if he wasn't, if he wasn't, like who would you who would you still take Tua for the next ten years over Justin Herbert? I think the sample size is too small at the moment. I think by the end of the season, I'll have a more definitive answer, but. I love the way Tua looked against the Cardinals this week. I thought he was poised. I thought some of the throws were incredible. The way he escaped the rush in the pocket, it was it was really, really like good to watch. And I think the Dolphins have something to be excited about finally. Uh, speaking of the Dolphins, do we want to move on to do we want to move on to unexpectedly good? Wow. Is so, that another group consensus? Unexpectedly well, good. I had- I don't well, know. I had I Dolphins doubt it. unexpectedly good. Oh, did you really? Yeah, is that, I thought that that's why you, I had, you transitioned. To well, it. that's why I had it. I thought I'd be. I had Miami Dolphins defense as my oh, unexpectedly no. good. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. because well, I'll take you back to last season. They were the worst ranked defense. They gave up the most touchdowns, third worst passing defense, second worst rush, and forty six percent of their defensive possessions ended in a score. Which is oh. just try and think <laughs> about that. That's incredible. So. Worst in the league. And then you transform this year. Most people consider them good to potentially the best and best defense in the league. You know, fourth in points allowed, third most takeaways, just considered the third best defense altogether. And, you know, they're t- potentially looking like they're a playoff team. And a lot of that's to do with their defense. So they were my unexpectedly good for the, for the year. Yeah, I completely agree for the exact same reasons. I mean, I guess... I guess also you have to give a little bit of credit to Fitzmagic in those early games, giving them, them giving them some wins. I didn't even think that even the magic that he presents would give them enough wins to even be in the position they are now. But I think they've done incredibly good with their defense, with Fitzpatrick, and now with Tua, it seems like. So I think this is looking like a really nice year if the Dolphins can just ride this, ride this out. But yeah, I think they're awesome. Yeah, definitely. And they're on a four-game winning streak. And that's that's... I've... Well, that's why they're my unexpectedly good. I mean, their record was 5-11 and 11 last year. They've already got five wins on the seasons. Um, they, they've beaten the Cardinals. They blew out the LA Rams. They smashed the 49ers. Of course, they shut out the Jets. But as you can see today, the Pats couldn't even do that. So, I mean, they're looking good. They're playing way above what is above expected. And potentially, they could be a wild card team led by Tua. No, look at us go, eh? We're all just agreeing on both, things, aren't we? Both first two awards we've all agreed on. 
I, I think the next one potentially we may agree on, potentially may not. I've gone, okay. um, well, moving on to coach of the year. I've actually gone with Mike Tomlin. I know it's a bit, I was thinking about um, the Miami coach, but I thought the Steelers have a chance to, you know, make history and go 16-0. and um, One of three teams that only do that. They're already 8-0. They're already they, they struggled a little bit this week against the Cowboys. But, I mean, they're outscoring their opponents by 11 points. They've got the highest pressure rate in the league in terms of pressuring the quarterback. They've got the number one defense in the league, or or at least a lot of people think that is. They've, they've got a really dynamic offense with Big Ben, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, James, uh, James Conner at the backfield. And all around, they're just such a good team. It's so hard to see a flaw within their, probably within their organization. They've got really good ownership, really good coaching, and a really good team. And Mike Tomlin deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, well, Tim, it looks as if our bromance has continued from last week because <laughs> oh, I've got Mike so Tomlin as well, man. I think it's hard to pick against a guy who's you know undefeated. And I think you know we mentioned the defense but also you got to give him credit for the way that he's managed bringing back big ben i think mm-hmm. big he's given him big ben an environment to thrive after having a year off which i think is an incredibly difficult to do difficult thing to do in quite a difficult division um they took care of Lamar jackson and the baltimore ravens they he coached his way to that i think this is a great team i think he's done an incredible job of doing it so that's why i've got mike tomlin too as usual i'm the third wheel <laughs> And look, I don't think you're gonna. I, I don't disagree with Mike Tomlin. He would have been my second. I don't think you're gonna disagree with me to continue the Dolphins hype train. I went with Brian Flores because mm-hmm. the difference for me was I thought the Steelers were an 11 win team anyway, and obviously they're eight no, so they're gonna do better than what I what I thought they were gonna be. But the Dolphins, they were predicted to come last in their division and only have six wins in the preseason, and that has just changed. They've already got five, and you know. It looks like, like we said, they've already got a top five defense. They've been winning games with two quarterbacks already. So, it's, you know, it shows how strong that defense is. And he's turned that thing around and they are way ahead of schedule. They still have all these, a lot of draft picks coming up. And no one expected them to be this good probably for another couple of years. And the fact that they're already here and two is already looking good in the short time that we've seen him, I just think he's done a hell of a job. So, I had Brian Flores, coach of the year. Lovely. Love it. Love it. And I think going into the season and actually looking in hindsight, um, the Dolphins were very, I guess, underrated. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've got an underrated player that I think deserves a lot more credit for the success that their team's having. And that's the wide receiver from Tennessee Titans, AJ Brown. Um, At the moment, he's had, I think, 457 yards uh, of receiving uh, receiving yards on an average of 14.7 per catch. He's seventh in touchdowns with six TDs. Uh, he's averaging about 76 yards per game. He hasn't fumbled the ball once. He's also His longest catch was 73 yards, which is, again, ranked seventh. He's had five 20-plus yard receptions, and he's only played six games. So I think he's balling out on a, on a team that's predominantly a, a running team, and I think A.J. Brown deserves a little bit more credit for the success that they're getting. That's an interesting pick for underrated. Um, for my underrated, I actually went a team. And I think a lot of it sort of stems from the way that we talk about this team. And I think a team I have as underrated is the Saints. Yeah, I like that. I think a lot of people counted out the Saints um, when they saw how good T. Brizzle was um, in Tampa. I think a lot of people thought, including us, that Tampa was going to win the division, that this, the most recent game, Tampa Saints, was going to go Tampa's way. 
everyone was sort of slandering Drew Brees and the way that the offense works, but they came out and they absolutely destroyed Tampa, who is probably one of the favorites, Who sorry, who were one of the favorites to go all the way from the NFC. And I think the Saints team have got a lot to prove this year because, you know, this is probably going to be Drew Brees' last year. And I think they're running out of time to get this thing working. And I think this is a team that, I don't know, people underrate them. People, I think that's a team that, unless you're the Minnesota Vikings, you don't want to verse. <laughs> Look, I love how we're all agreeing with each other so far. But when you say the Saints are underrated, what do you mean? Like, do you consider them like Super Bowl contenders now because of the Bucks game? Well, I think that they're more than just a team that's going to flail out in the first round, first, first or second round. I think that they get... I think there's a world where they make it to the NFC Championship. I think that there is a world where they could be in the Super Bowl. I, I, but I think a lot of people sort of counted them out and said that they were first-round exits. Yeah. I, hmm. I mean, they did They did have those two... I mean, look, Ben, I, I can't disagree with it because play, based on kind of, I guess, what what doubt we've placed on them, they, they have been probably underrated because they didn't show up in week two and they had some close games, which they should have blown out. I mean, they lost to A-Rod by seven, which is, you know, understandably um, okay because they've got a good team and Aaron Rodgers is having an MVP caliber season. Um, but I just feel like in terms of underrated, they don't you reckon they're kind of on the same trajectory that we looked at them prior to the season? But I think prior to the season, I don't know about you, I just didn't, I feel like I didn't rate them at all. And I feel like a lot of people counted them out because of the fact that Drew Brees is so old and that he's now got Tom Brady in his division. Like I sort of thought that the Saints were underrated because it was just going to be a roll it back see what, of what they did last year. And, you know, last year didn't quite go to plan. I know that some people do rate the Saints quite highly and that's up to them. But I just thought that based on the, what, what sort of discussions that we've been having, I think the Saints were heavily underrated as, you know, more than just a good team. Fair enough. Zach? Look, <laughs> I love you, Ben. But I, when I say at the start of the year, I thought Saints were going to make the playoffs and would not be, if I was up against them in the playoffs, I wouldn't be nervous. And I haven't seen anything yet that would change that for me. But it depends. That depends from where you viewed them at the start of the year, of course. So if you're saying you didn't think they were much at the start of the year and now you're thinking they could make some noise in the playoffs, then I understand. But I still don't consider them Super Bowl like, contenders. Well, I think beating one of the best defenses in the league and holding Tom Brady to zero points at the half is pretty impressive. Don't be a prisoner of the moment, Ben. Don't. <laughs> you know, you know, I love the moment. You know, I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, you need to stop loving the moment because <laughs> go back to the other moments that the Saints have shown so far. <laughs> but I can at least understand it, even though I think okay, it's wrong. I, I um, that. <laughs> okay. Um, my underrated, not really a team or a player. I've got it as the gap between the Chiefs and the rest is my <laughs> underrated of the year because it reminds me of the Kevin Durant Warriors in which Ugh. we all get bored with the fact that there's one team that just seems to be better and it gets a bit boring. So we like to talk about the rest, you know? And I just think at the end of the day, is there any team you trust more? Is there any quarterback you trust more come a playoff game than Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, who whose defense has improved from last year. I just don't I just think the gap is bigger. I know the Steelers eight no, but I don't I still take the Chiefs as heavy favorites if they're up against each other in an AFC championship game. 
I think you're 100 percent right there. That is. I mean, it's hard to disagree. That with I actually that. just completely forgot about. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like we love talking about the rest because it's boring to state the obvious, which is the Chiefs are just so much better than everyone. 100 percent. And so, mm. what is? Are you saying that at this point? Like those years that Kevin Durant was on the Warriors, we sort of just have to concede that the Chiefs are going to win it? I concede that as currently constructed all these teams, unless something happened, yes. Mm. Like the Raptors won a 2019 with injuries, but we all know the Warriors would have won that, Mm. obviously, if they Mm. didn't have injuries. I think football is such a strange game in which you can be the favourites going all the way up and then somehow it not falls off in any particular way, but... I feel like it's if they if they sustain a dynasty, that will be one of the most incredible things in sporting, you know. Yeah. Because uh, especially because the Pats, like you look at um, the uh, the New England Patriots, they sustained a dynasty over twenty years, but they never went. They never three peated. I mean, I think they went back to back once. Um, but to to sustain that over like repeating, like as in you know going back-to-back or, or three-peating next year if they win this year. It's hard, but I can't disagree with with uh, your take, Zach. Very well done. Very cute. Thanks, man. means a lot. I don't often get, I don't often get support with what I say, so it's nice. <laughs> nice to mix it up. Well, I'm assuming I'm going to move on to the one that I'm going to hate the most. Um, unexpectedly bad. Ah, uh, there we are. And... I'm going to let one of you two go because I'm assuming I'm assuming I'm going to have to sit through another, you know, tough ben, did few you want, Did you want me to take this or do you want to go? Oh, you can go first. Okay. Zach, your, your skills of perception are so good because you know what's coming. And unexpectedly bad this year for myself is Lamar Jackson. And not because he's been bad... <laughs> It's just coming off an MVP season. You you wouldn't expect such a such a necessarily a drop. I mean, he's got fifteen total touchdowns, only 12, 12 of them coming from the par, um, from passing. Uh, he's got just under two thousand total yards, um, just over fifteen hundred passing yards, and a sixty five point two QBR, which is seventeenth in the league. He's had Oof. four he's had four interceptions and six fumbles. Um, he's fifteenth in rushing yards, but he's a quarterback, so that's fine. That's quite impressive. But he's twenty seventh in passing yards. He's nineteenth in passing TDs and twenty fifth in pa- um, rushing TDs. I just think coming off the season, coming off um, coming off the season that he just previously had, I think it's his his expectations were so hard, are high. Any kind of drop was going to be noticeable, but this is, in my opinion, a major drop. Appreciate the feedback. Um, I'll let, I'll let Ben jump on as well. Oh no, I'm actually not piling on. Um, for my for my unexpectedly bad, um, I've got the Pats and Bill Belichick. Oh, um, wow. I I think that you know I know I know it was sort of difficult to back the Pats to be incredible this year, but I think from what we've seen, the Pats are just stinking bad. I mean, today they almost lost to the Jets. I mean. Ugh. Like, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch a team that you know for so long was so good just be this awful and just be this unwatchable at times. And it just feels like Bill Belichick has lost all the macho that he had. And I think especially because earlier in the season, we were saying, you know, Supercam is back. 
oh my gosh, Bill Belichick's done it again. And now, you know, we're nine games into the season and it doesn't look like that at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite disappointed, if I'm being honest, in the Pats and Bill, Bill Belichick. So that's why they're my unexpectedly bad. I don't disagree, but at the same time, they're 3-5 and five now. And you've got to remember, they, only, they lost by one possession to the Hawks, one possession to the Broncos, and one possession to the Bills. Two of those are quite good teams, and they could easily be four and four, which is probably where I'd rate them now. If I had to, like, proper rating win-loss record, I'd probably have the Pats as a 500 team. And I feel like, do we did we think they were going to be more than a, a nine and seven team? Really? Do you think they, I, I don't really think they're going to even get to nine and seven, though. Well, mm. I know, but, okay, but I don't think, I think they go 500. Still, which is probably only I mean, one they, game less than, but they have. I agree, they have been disappointing. But and I, th- but I also think I just held out a little bit of hope that maybe all, it was all true that it was all Bill Belichick and he was going to just turn it around. I think there was a little part of me that just wanted that to happen, but it just didn't. It just hasn't at all. It sucks because he's such a cutie as well. Such a cutie, and his little mask and his little do rag oh, mask, oh. and the way he like the way he throws his little challenge flag. <laughs> he just chucks on the ground like he's having a bit of a tantrum. I love it. I love him. So much. Uh, oh, Zach, you want to finish us off? I'll finish it off. Uh, surprising one. My unexpectedly bad was my Ravens offense. Wow. Uh, wow. Which you guys, you. you guys know this would be, this is pretty hard for me to come to the conclusion of. But I'll push back on the the pure Lamar Jackson hate. Can I point out, our wide receiving core and our tight end core have been so bad. Hollywood Brown was supposed to take a massive leap. Hasn't. Willie Sneed's out. If you need any more proof that our wide receivers aren't good enough, Des Bryant is now a Raven. <laughs> I think that in itself, in a nutshell, sums up the problems we're having. <laughs> and teams are starting to shut down Mark Andrews at tight end, which was Lamar's favorite target, and which is and now we're fo- wondering, wanting the wide receivers to take more of a role, but they're just not good enough. Hollywood Brown is not good enough to be a number one receiver on a Super Bowl team. And that's what we're finding out this year. And it's not a bad offense, but if you're ranking 11th in the league for what they were last year, we were expecting the Ravens to be a top three offense, I think, preseason. Um, the personnel looks so, and they've just been highly disappointing so far. And it looks like if you can stop our rush, it we just don't look threatening. Good defenses seem to be taking advantage of our lack of wide receiver core and Lamar Jackson's getting thrown at the bus and it's not fair because Lamar Jackson's perfect in every way. It's not his fault. It's it's the other parts of the offense. So they are unexpectedly bad. Well, you know, it's funny that you talk about those things because I'd actually like to move over to my overrated, um, my overrated award, which you just talked about, which was a guy named Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson receives my overrated award this season for a lot of the things that we've already talked about today. Um, and I think that heading into the season, he was seen as, oh, God forbid, someone thought he was the best quarterback in the league, but at least a top three quarterback, which we haven't seen. And you know what? I think that there are arguments out here that he's not even a top five. Oh um, I think that well, defenses... The stats. <laughs> He's 17th according to stats. But I think defenses have been able to figure it out. 
figure, sorry, figure him out. And, you know, like we've been saying, he just doesn't look good at all. And he's taken a disgustingly big drop in performance and production. So I think Lamar Jackson is my overrated award this year. What do we think of that? What do we think of that? that. That's an outrage. I want to, I want to veto you from ever having an opinion on Lamar Jackson again. (laughs) It's not his fault. I mean, overrated is quite a. That's a strong. It's it's a. It's a heavy statement. It's heavy. I've just put him. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, Mankin. Can I just clarify? Are you saying that Lamar Jackson doesn't have help? Uh, Is that because that's something that you rant on about uh, Russell Wilson and Tim complaining about all the time? Are you now switching to that side? Are you are you going to pull that argument? You know what? I kind of get it now, Tim. It's not his fault. <laughs> it's not his fault. He has he has horrible. Yeah, but I'm not lying. I don't. Lamar Jackson doesn't have DK Metcalf. He doesn't have him. Yeah, but he has an offensive Our line. Don't give me. He has a running game. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. Wow. Oh, I hate some people and their oh. names are Zach. You had me for a second, Zach. You had God. me. I was, like, I, was oh on your side. I was on your side for a second, and then you just mentioned uh, you're an Okay, fine. How about we say, I'll, I'll concede with you now, Tim. It's even because I have an offensive line, you have wide receivers. Yeah, and you've also got a running game and a defense. It's not even. Don't talk to me. I'm talking about offensive help. Well, then, yes, it's even. That's what I just said. That's what I'm Maybe talking it's about. Probably, it's probably 60-40 you because you've got offensive line and a running game. We just have wide receivers. See, this is what or- I'm talking about. I try and raise it with Tim and all he's yes, done. Is- <laughs> I met you halfway. I met you 60-40 oh. because it's true. Oh you my have God, I'm taking it all back. I'm taking run. it all back. You have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You're fine, mate. And you've got more experience yep. in the quarterback position. Yep. Lamar's just yep. finding himself. So, keep going. Oh, my God. It's two more than we have. We don't have anyone. Oh, my God. Oh, my. You're so stupid. Besides your offensive line, your depth in running backs and a better yeah, tight we're, end we're, core. And a better tight end core than us. But we're a good rushing team. This is I'm talking oh about the God. pass game. We're, we're a top three rush team. Oh, okay. So, if you nitpick, yes. Passing... You guys are worse. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, but you're nitpicking. I'm talking. Not nitpicking. I said passing. I'm saying start off with the first. You start off with the offense, offense, and then I say, yeah, we have receivers, but you have everything else, and then you say passing. Don't change. Don't change. I apologize. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. I I mean, I don't like yelling at you, Tim. You know I I don't. don't. I know you're so (laughs) cute, and I can just see you. I'm angry. I know you. But you know what it is. Look, look, I'll Let's give you a nice massage t- before we go to bed tonight. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I needed. <laughs> After hearing Ben. Okay, Ben, I think you need to go. Oh, sorry, Zach, I think you need to go. I need to calm down a little bit. Do some breathing exercises. You need to cal- you need to calm down. I've had Ben just lie on Mike. Well, okay, if but if he's rated a top three quarterback in the league and then he isn't a top three quarterback in the league, doesn't that mean that he was overrated? Oh, that's Is that a not really- a fact? That is a really good point. Is that not a fact? Yeah, but you, okay, but this. Yo, is yo, blah, 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 blah. What? Answer the me, question. Are you going to let me talk? Answer the question. Are you going to let me talk? Question. I am answering answer the, question. the question. I mean, I am answering the question. This is the overrated award. So you are saying that Lamar Jackson is the most overrated subject in the NFL. Yeah. Out of all options, he is your number one most overrated thing. 
Uh, at number two, I had the Colts, but um... oh my god, I've got the Colts. I don't want to be happy oh. with you, but that's what I've got. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Tim, <laughs> Tim said before we started Ezekiel Elliott, right? Which none of us had actually thought about. You're saying Ezekiel Elliott is less overrated than Lamar Jackson. Ezekiel Elliott's not rated as a top three quarterback in the league. No, because so. he's a running back. Tim Ben. Oh, so I sh- maybe that's why I should be thinking about Lamar Jackson as a running back. Oh my god. Now you're back. right. Oh, but even then he's not very good either. So oh my god. get a quarterback, Ben, and then we can actually part of this conversation. <laughs> you get a quarterback. I've just told you. How about you draft Patrick Mahomes next time? Oh wait, there oh, is never gonna be a next girl, time. Bigger. Bigger. <laughs> god, you got me angry now. My overrated. <laughs> to mimic what Ben had said was his second overrated is the Indianapolis Colts. Because for me, they're overrated from the viewpoint. I don't think there's a chance that A, they can make any noise in the playoffs. If you're an AFC team, which I am with the Ravens, <laughs> and you're the team I got told we're playing is the Indianapolis Colts, Lamar Jackson might actually have a chance of winning a playoff game at that point. Because right now they're not looking great. I went through their schedule. The max, the max amount of wins I see them having is nine. Max, like best Ooh. case scenario. Very, very good chance they're an A net team and they miss the playoffs. And no one's talking. The worst kept secret in the league right now is how bad Philip Rivers is. He's run oh. 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, <laughs> and is considered bottom 10 in QPR and estimated points added. And that's with a good defense helping him. Jeez. He has been appalling. And the Colts, if only Andrew Luck didn't retire, but their window is closing and it's closing rather quickly. I've got the Indianapolis Colts. Lovely, lovely. I don't have any objections there. Um, my overrated award goes to Jadavion Clowney from the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> oh my god, that man! That man has eleven <laughs> solo tackles this year, zero sacks, one force fumbles, three stuff. Sorry, one force fumble, three stuffs, four passes deflected, and is earning fifteen million dollars this year. Fifteen million dollars you spent on zero sacks. Oh my god! Well done to him. But that's my overrated player. It's fair enough. Is there a bit of a sore spot because he used to be a Seahawk at all? (laughs) No, actually, I'm happy. I'm happy because you put that on this Hawks team. He's going to be even more unproductive, and we're probably going to pay him more. I think we tried to pay him more. (sighs) So uh, I'm glad we uh, missed that joke. Um, I'm glad. I've got another over. I got another overrated just for you, Tim. Um, mm-hmm. I've thought about. I wish I thought about this because I've been thinking about this for a while. Matt Nagy. At what point <laughs> is he? It, what, at what point is he unable to just run an NFL offense? So it's been a multiple seasons now with one of the best defenses in the league, and the Bears have had a not just an under under a below par offense, but like one of the worst offenses in the league. I got one word for you. Quarterback. He so trans like that one season where he yeah that that one season when he transformed uh, transformed sorry Mitchell Trubisky into a decent if not above average if not good quarterback and made it to the playoffs that was like his pinnacle. If you get a consistent quarterback under him, I feel like he could be a premier coach, especially with that defense. Yeah, I didn't have him as my overrated because I think he's a very good coach. But at what point does it get – like, when do we get to the point where, you know, it might be Matt Nagy? I think Blake gets I mean, part but, of the blame. But, I mean, it's like it's like the whole Allen Robinson thing at wide receiver. Like, how, you got a feel for the man. He's got Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles as his starting quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. Like, can you really blame him? No. Like, it, that... Sorry, you go, Zach. No, I, I, I'm just to reiterate. My point is, a what? A, it was more of a discussion of at what point do at what point does he had enough time? Are we just going to say until he gets a good quarterback and then we'll judge him? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, mm-hmm. you know, considering coaches like Matt Patricia still have a job on the Lions, like, <laughs> why not? Why not give Matt Nagy more time until he has a good quarterback? Like, oh, Another overrated Matt Stafford. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, Tim. I, I, actually, I actually had Alan Robinson as my, I think, two or three for underrated. Yeah, yeah he's sense. underrated. He's, he's, a, he's a baller. He is a good player. Can I um, um can I interest you guys in the biggest choke this year? You can. Now, <laughs> for me, I'm not going to name names until I explain kind of the scenario. So, oh, no. this is the team who was up by 20 points in the first quarter. They were actually up 29-10 in the first half. Going into the fourth quarter, they were up 29-24. With under three minutes to go, they were up 39-30. Then, with one minute and 49 seconds and no timeouts, the score is 39-37. and 37. Sorry, 39-37, to 37, with an onside kick to come. That onside kick is stared at by a team while, <laughs> while the other team just decides, you know what, maybe it's, maybe it's a good idea to jump on the ball. They ended up winning 40 to 39 with a field goal being kicked by Greg Zerline. And my biggest choke goes to the Falcons versus the Cowboys. Well done. Well done. I had the exact same game log and the exact same explanations (laughs) as you. Falcons, Cowboys, week one. To put it into perspective, at that three minute mark when they were up by nine, they had a 99.99% chance of winning that game. Which is basically a hundred percent, and they just leave the point zero zero one there, just so no one gets angry if they lose. <laughs> and then to put it out, another one: only ten percent of um, onside kicks have been converted in the last two seasons. So you're basically doing the ninety nine point nine percent times ten percent is their overall chance of losing that game, which is like ninety nine point nine recurring for about six times. That's the genuine Oof. number of what they Oof. did. And there's only one team that could have done that. And we didn't know it at the time, but it was actually going to sum up their whole season pretty perfectly. I mean, Tough. it just seems wrong to have anyone but the Atlanta Falcons as the winner of the biggest choke. I did have um, the Cowboys game, but I also had the game where they lost to the Bears just because any time that you give up 20 unanswered points in the fourth <laughs> quarter to an awful <laughs> Chicago's Bear defense, you deserve to not be playing football anymore. The, they scored three touchdowns in five minutes to end the game. That's insane. That is insane. Ugh, just come on, Falcons. Just yeah. be better. I think that's what we think here. Just be better. Just be better. It's not that hard. Just win a game. It's really win, easy. Win some games, man. Like we've all got problems with our teams that we, you know, we that we hate. But I think we can all at least sleep easily at night knowing we're not Atlanta Falcons fans. Oh gosh. Because that would that yeah. that'd be a tough night's sleep. <laughs> shout out to uh, shout out to Xander Dunlop. That's uh, that's his team. Oof, rough. I didn't even know that. Tough that's day tough. to be Xander. That is a yeah. Bad day to be Xander. You know when else it's a bad day to be someone? When my defensive player of the year is lining up behind their <laughs> offensive line, and that is Aaron Donald. Oof. That man has 
has had nine sacks this year, which is tied first, three forced fumbles. But the biggest thing for me is the impact he has on an offense. As an interior defensive lineman, his pressure stats are better than edge rushes while he's often being double teamed. That's ridiculous. And it's a lot harder to elude a sack when they're coming straight for you. And Aaron, Aaron Donald comes and he comes hard. Okay. Tim, it's an NFL award. I don't know what. Uh, that's the late night uh, one. That's the late night one, Tim. We talk about uh, this. That's my defensive uh, player of the year. Look, Tim, um, I couldn't, couldn't agree more, Tim. Yeah. After my hard give me, research. Give me some reasons why. <laughs> I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Like you said, yeah. nine sacks, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, everyone knows him. Number one player in the NFL in 2019. So he came in with all the expectation. And anyone that gets triple and double teamed every week and still manages to put up sacks, still manages to, like you said, lead those pressure stats, you know, you have to, every year he pretty much should win it. And I think he should win it this year. So I've got Aaron Donald. Great. Great, um, great take. Thank you. Um, you know, I had someone else, but uh, from hearing what you just said, Tim, I'm now going to switch sides. I had TJ Watt, and it was mainly just because he was part of the number one defense um, in the league. But I think you're right. It's hard to bet against the big man. Just watching that man take down Tua Tagovailoa, I just I, oh I had God. fear in my eyes. I cannot imagine what he was yeah. feeling. He's a big boy. He makes big boy plays. He, he's just—he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year again. You're right. He is a bad man, which brings us to the baddest man of them all, the MVP. I want to go last because I want to see what you guys say first. Zach, <laughs> give it to me. Um. Oh, I swear to God, if you have who I think you have, <laughs> you're going to get it. <laughs> I've gone. I think it'll be a consensus. Um. Like I said before, with my underrated talking about the Chiefs and how far ahead they are, exact same thing with Patrick Mahomes, which is he is so much better than everyone else, but we get bored of it. So we pretend that there's other people that could win the award. But the only thing that's getting in the way of him winning this is if people are bored and people don't want to give it to him because it'll be boring. A bit like LeBron and an NBA MVP a couple of times. He's the first quarterback to throw 25 TDs and one or less interceptions at this point of the year, um, breaking Russell Wilson's 22 touchdown effort last season. Um, he's the best quarterback on the best offense. He's on pace for 4,800 yards, 44 TDs and two interceptions. <laughs> and on top of Patrick Mahomes reasons why I don't think Russ or Rogers, who would be my two closest um, competitors. I just think Russ, Russ's greatest asset of being asked to do so much for his offense and putting up these ridiculous numbers is probably going to end up being his greatest weakness for the award, which is so many more opportunities to stuff it up, which what we saw the last couple of weeks, which is he's asked to do so much. There's just a higher possibility that's going to end up with these inflated turnover stats and he's going to lose games because his defense is just horrible. So it's just, it's not going to be able to compare to Patrick Mahomes. So that's why I've got Patty Mahomes as my uh, MVP. Yeah, Mankin, this is cute because I have Patrick Mahomes too. God, I mean, for all, the, for all the same things that you said, I mean, he's second in passing out, second in touchdowns with 25, only got one interception so far. I think when you talk about value to a team, obviously Russell Wilson is that offense in Seattle, but Patrick Mahomes is this offense here in Kansas City. Some of the things that that man is able to do is honestly insane. I think he's the best player in the league, and 
he just deserves it. I think there isn't a world where Russell Wilson or Andrew, oh, Andrew, Aaron Rodgers get this award. See, here's what I asked myself before I came. Oh in. my god, <laughs> who brings the most value it. to their team? He won't do it. He won't do it. Whose team is the most affected by that player's loss if they weren't there? Russell Wilson has 28 touchdown passes. He's on pace to finish the season with 56 TDs, which is breaking the record, the 55 previously set by um, Peyton Manning. He's led Seattle to a 6-2 and two record, and he's first place in the NFC West. This is on a team that his defense has allowed 600, sorry, 362 passing yards per game, which is the worst in NFL history. There's only been three games this season, this season that were not shootouts. No other quarterback in the league has been put in this position. We have no running game with Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, and Travis Homer all out with injuries. And we've had the most quarterback pressures in the league. Seattle asks so much more for its quarterback than any team. Patrick Mahomes has, most, has the most touchdowns off screens. And he, he most a lot of his touchdowns come off high percentage passes, which is why Patrick McCombs is going to win this year's MVP. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, man! I he was going to lose it. Like you said, second in touchdowns. He's he's the fastest person to ever um, ever score. I think or throw a hundred touchdowns in NFL history. Second in QBR. They've got an eight and one record. The only tough games that they have are the Bucks, Dolphins, Saints, and Raiders. And I'm only saying Raiders, which I think they're going to get blown out in, um, as in the Raiders are going to get blown out. But I just thought, throw them in it. They've got the better overall team, and he hasn't slipped up yet. I mean, like you said, Mankin, and you said it so well, Russ is being asked to do too much. You can only win so many shootouts. And, you know, the 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 position that the defense puts him in, like you said, makes makes it probably makes Russell more willing or probably more likely to throw those interceptions or, or try too much too quickly, which is going to play him out of the MVP conversation. I think if you look at the best player in the past six years overall, I think Russ is that because he's just been so consistent. But he's not cons- he hasn't had that one season where he's just excelled. And I thought this might have been it. And I think if he does um, beat the fifty six touchdowns potentially, depending on Seattle's record, he may get the MVP. And like you said, people might get bored of Patrick Mahomes. So again, he that may kind of swing in his favor. Like, you know, lots of people think that LeBron James should have more than four MVPs. That could be the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. We may take um, take 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 him for advantage. So unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes is gonna potentially most probably, most definitely win the MVP and probably go back to back in the Super Bowl. And we've you know We've brought up two, Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Is there just no world where someone like Aaron Rodgers slips in there anymore? Like, is that sort of ship been sailed? No, I think, I Aaron, think Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers I think Aaron Rodgers can still win it for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, I don't think. It, uh, I don't know. I think. I think. Can. I think. I think he may. I think he's he's more likely to overtake Russ for two than win it. I think either yeah. Russ falls off and, and becomes third, potentially even fourth, just because he is doing too much, and then Aaron Rodgers comes too. But I think it's really. It's either Russ wins it with probably 60, 60 touchdown passes and a thirteen and three or fourteen and two. Well, probably not fourteen and two, thirteen and three or record. Or Patrick Mahomes just has an incredible rest of the season as he probably will and, and win it. Yeah. Well, my thing is, I think if the Packers go th- win thirteen, and assuming a big part of that's going to be Rogers, I think he'll jump uh, 
Russ, just for the reasons we said, and I just don't think Russ will have 13 wins just with their defense. And then mm. it'll come down to a bit like we were talking about uh, voters getting bored with Patrick Mahomes. Is Aaron Rodgers' season good enough, plus his storyline we've, we've talked about, just enough for people to go, bugger it, let's pick Rodgers over Mahomes just because it's boring. A bit like the D. Rose MVP. That would be my strongest. <laughs> wow. No, you wow. Just... Oh. wow. <laughs> there is, God, there are some stupid people on the podcast tonight. Um, now, I think, now I don't know about you guys, but another one that I had down, and if it wasn't for the awful result he had this week, I probably would have had him maybe even up there. I had Tom Brady as possibly, coming into this week, I had Tom Brady as a sleep, believe it or not, a sleeper pick for MVP just because of how well he'd been leading that offense in recent weeks. But I think after that Saints loss and how poorly he played, I think he's 100% out of the race for the rest of the season. Yeah. Mm. I, would have, yeah. I, would have I, I had him as fourth. Still? I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, not, not still. I don't actually know who I have fourth. Um, I'd actually even dare to say Dalvin Cook might be my fourth. I know he has no chance. No. But he is balling out. I mean, he's averaging six yards per carry, um, 12 TDs on the season, and he's already got 800 and I think 46 yards. He's number one in rushing. I thought he may be my fourth just because I can't see anyone else, I guess, jumping that, if you know what I mean. I think it's the top three, which is, of course, Pat, Russ, and A-Rod. And I think there's a massive gap in between that. I don't really know who I'll be placing in there. Yeah. My fourth MVP would probably be the Jets head coach for finding a way to lose games. Every single oh way possible. Gosh. Their tank effort this year has been the best tank effort I've ever seen in the National Football League, and it is something <laughs> to behold. Everyone who's watched the NFL needs to take attention to this because this is clinical of how to lose games on purpose. One Zach, time. talking about tanking, I think this uh, leads us quite nicely into this week's tank bowl in our five games of the week. Nice. Um, Thanks, buddy. Five games of the week. Oh, good, mate. Last week, we started counting. We started counting our performances picking the lines games for every week because as we all know, we have an inept ability to predict outcomes in sport. And <laughs> we think that I reckon the majority of us can get, if we can get the, all of us over 50% in a year or at least throughout the rest of the year, that's pretty impressive. But at least I think, I think two of us can get above 50% at least, which we're currently sitting at me three from five and you two at two from five. But long season, long season, long season. It's that a marathon, gap, not a sprint. That gap could grow exponentially. You never know. <laughs> um, we'll start as you so eloquent, eloquently introduced Tim with Tank Bowl uh, the New York Giants versus the Philadelphia Eagles obviously Giants coming off an unfortunate loss in their bids to get a high pick but uh, Philly come in at three and a half point favourites and I'm going to take Philly minus three and a half because I think after the Giants having accidentally won a game last week and wanting a high pick the Eagles will clean them up and cover so I've got the Philadelphia Eagles at minus three and a half that's tricky because, like we said last week, and the one actually we did win was the Giants. Was the Giants yeah. covering the spread? Um, so, I think this week, just because I feel like they've had too many close games and they may have exhausted most of their things, especially with Philly coming off a bye. I think Philly. I think I'm going to agree with you, Zach. I think Philly take the points. Excellent decision. Like make the points, sorry. Yeah, you know what? You know what? I'll take the Eagles too, just to make it easy. It means none of us can lose a point there. <laughs> um, speaking of a couple of uh, mediocre teams, Rams Seahawks up there next. <laughs> um, big division rivalry. Two 
if we're being honest, very good teams. Um, Rams are two-point favourites. What? What? And, oh, they're two-point underdogs. No, Rams are two-point favourites. I was right. Um, Rams are two-point favourites, and I'm going to take the Rams at minus two. Oh. Because I just think it's a big game for the Rams, and the Seahawks the last couple of weeks have shown me that if they're going to win, it's going to win. They're going to win close, but I think the Rams would have the ability compared to the Seahawks to win by over a score. So that's why I've got Rams minus two. I think that if it was three and a half, I would have taken the Rams, but I think I'm going to take the Seahawks. No, no, Ben, Ben, the Rams are favorites. No, Rams minus two. It's Rams minus two. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so Seattle plus two points. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I want the Seahawks. Oh. Yeah. Right. Oh, gotcha. No. Seahawks are the underdogs. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. I yeah. Want that's the Seahawks. Me. Oh, right. Well, Russell Wilson is 25 and I believe four. Uh, after coming off a loss, so I'm going to take the Hawks. Typical. Another another one where you two are separate from me. Oh, yeah. And we'll move on to the Cardinals and the Bills, which. Looks like it'll be a great game. I've taken the underdog, which is the Buffalo Bills. So I'm taking the Bills plus two just because, look, I think it's a 50-50 game and I'm getting the two points. That's really what it came down to. It's not like that I I don't know who would win that, but I just think if it's a 50-50 game, in my opinion, I'll take the points. So I'm going to take Bills plus two. Well, I just, I I was confused why the Bills weren't favored. I know. Very weird. Yeah, I'm going Bills, 100%. You're going to have tweet to do it, aren't you, Ben? Tweet, tweet nation. <laughs> tweet, tweet nation, stand up. I'm going the Cardinals. Uh, oh, geez, Yo, I'm not confident about it. Let's see how that one goes. <laughs> um, number four, the Miami Dolphins versus the Chargers. Tua versus Justin. Um, I'm taking the favorite Miami Dolphins at minus two and a half just because like we've said, I just think it's a better it's a better team overall. Tua showed enough that he can win games. Um, Chargers are look. I love Justin Herbert as we've talked about, but I just think Dolphins are a better all round team. So I've got Dolphins minus two and a half. Same. Yeah. Right. I'm going to take the Chargers at plus two and a half. <laughs> oh, there's always one. Oh my god! Uh, I just think, Golly. oh, listen, man. I, I don't know whether Tua can do it back-to-back weeks. Uh, I know Justin's always good. I don't feel confident about it, but I'm gonna take the charges at plus two and I'm gonna I'm move on. Big plays early in the season. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna move on before better time to change his mind. We're gonna go <laughs> last game: the Indianapolis Colts versus the Tennessee Titans, with the very close line. I've got the underdog, sorry, the favorite in the Tennessee Titans at minus one and a half. And oh, whoa. I just don't think that's enough. I just think Titans are a better team. We talked about how we think the Colts are overrated. This is one that I penciled down for them losing. Um, Titans win this, you know, good chance that they're they're in a very comfortable position to uh, wrap up the division. So I'm taking Titans minus one and a half. Yeah, that's easy for me. I'm taking the Titans too. King Henry. Oh, no. I'm going to take the Titans. No, I'll take the Titans. Uh, Yeah, I'll take the Titans. (laughs) Don't do it just because you want to follow the crowd. You don't have to be a oh, sheep. You can be the shepherd. You can be the shepherd. Sheep or shepherd, what are you? 
know what's do you know what's not following the crowd? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Go on. Being up, being up three in our tipping competition. Uh two to me. No three, I just checked. Oh, so you're up by four against Ben. <laughs> Guys, you could put an air you could put an airplane strip in between the gap there. Christ. Oh my god, get a life. Far out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that's our five games of the week. <laughs> We're going to move on now to what is going to be the Get Around a Podcast draft prediction with Ben and I being hard at work, as we do, pretty much ready to tell you exactly the best eight players, in our opinion, in this upcoming draft. And we've based it, obviously, on what we also think the teams need and what we think they'll do. This this isn't us going to say, this is the best eight. This is what we think the teams will do. Um, And we're also going to talk about our the most likely to bust and most likely to rise as well. And we'll hand it over to Adam Silver, who is playing Temporera this, this <laughs> evening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2020 NBA draft. With the first pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves select. The Minnesota Timberwolves select Anthony Edwards. I think that this is a clear pick at number one. I think you know what you're getting with Anthony Edwards. He's a good mix of a young player who has high upside but also has time to develop and can help you right now he's a nice guard you can pair along D'Angelo Russell gives you shot creation ability it's got to be Anthony Edwards surely uh, with the first pick the Timberwolves select Anthony Edwards Beautiful. six foot five Georgia yeah like you yeah. said could be the most skilled player in the draft um, physical scorer has there's the potential to be an extremely versatile defender um, just with his dynamic six foot eight wingspan, um, obviously with every player in this draft, there's going to be some question marks. There's going to be some holes. This time in Georgia looked like he had some problems with decision making, but personally, I'd lay that down to the fact that the Georgia team was that bad, and he was forced to do so much. So some of his <laughs> percentages are obviously going to be skewed negatively because the best shot was sometimes um, Anthony Edwards taking a bad shot on that Georgia team. So. I think there's a lot of upside. I think out of most of the top picks, he has the least amount of downside, one of the highest floors. So I agree. Mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards. Great. That's agreeing. First pick. First pick. Nice. We already agree. Isn't this cute? Great See how long that like Probably not. Probably <laughs> ending now. <laughs> very, very nice pick, gentlemen. With the second pick in the draft, the Golden State Warriors select. James Wiseman. <sighs> from Memphis. And I needed to explain with this, big time. Warriors can go a couple way with this, in my opinion. They're either going to go for the Hail Mary, try and go for someone that can rejuvenate their run, make it just extend it by a decade potentially, or they try and get someone who can help them win championships over the next five years when Clay, Steph, and Draymond come back. And I think James Wiseman, in the Warriors' perspective, is going to be the guy that could be both. He's the only guy I think that could fit both future superstar and a guy that can help them straight away. He's going to be the guy that does the rim runner role for the Warriors in the short term, a bit like JaVale McGee was doing, hopefully with a bit more impact than JaVale McGee, you'd hope. Um, seven foot one, ridiculous physical specimen. Um, pretty much looks like a rich man's Hassan Whiteside. He's an unbelievable <laughs> rebounder. He's a team player. Obviously, there's some cons for me personally. I think he's the kind of big 
in which I would stay so far away from like a 10 foot pole because there's something about drafting bigs early in the NBA draft. I worry that they're just going to be like all the other big, strong bigs and they're just going to be journeymen. They're going to be the guys that you don't want to pay when their rookie contracts come to an end because mm. they're going to want big money because their stats are going to be awesome. Just look at, look at Hassan Whiteside, look at Andre Drummond. These guys are, and look at Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is the best case scenario for someone like a James Wiseman. And he had the Utah Jazz did not want to play him in their first round playoff series because he was just impossible to have on the court sometimes just with his limitations. And I worry about that with James Wiseman. But if any organization can get the most out of him, it would be the Golden State Warriors. And I think there's been enough off- upside presented. So I'm going James Wiseman. That's an interesting pick because in reality, at number two, I think that the Warriors trade down to three with with the Hornets because I would prefer to pick my guy at three. But um, obviously, we're not doing trades in this one. So at number two, I'm actually taking Onyeka Okongwu, who is another big man, who is a very versatile defender, who, unlike James Wiseman, like you were saying, is unable to... Onyeka Okongwu is able to defend on the perimeter, which is something that the Warriors and in this modern NBA where you've got to be able to switch constantly is something you need to be able to do. As well as that, he's also he also has great handles. He's got a good passing ability and good effort, which are all things that the Warriors need in order to fit their system. I know that he doesn't probably fit that stereotype like you were saying of a player that can help them extend their dynasty, but he's a player that they might need just right now. And I think in a, in a draft where there's not a lot of tangible yeses, I think that Okongwu is someone that you can rely on for that. And I think, I just think that the risk reward is a lot better when you take Okongwu. So that's See, why I got him. My only th- I, I agree Okongwu is the best player they can draft to for the next five years. But I think the Warriors want there's how often is a team of their caliber going to get a number two pick? Like really? And I just think that I think they're going to try and cover or they're going to go for it. And I think James Wiseman could be better in 10 years, but I agree a Kongwu over the next five years is a better prospect. But I just think, I think that like you said, what chances they have that they of getting a number two pick again it's just so unfortunate that they have the number two pick in this awful draft. Imagine if like, it was last year. Like, just imagine. Oh, oh, my gosh. Or even next year's draft or the year after. You know, there are so many better draft classes coming up, which is why I think that they should try, trade down to three because the Hornets really like James Wiseman. So I think that they should have trade down to three, get a future pick off the Hornets, and then they can get the best of both worlds possibly. But, I agree. That's what I would do. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah, I agree. Well done, gentlemen. Two very, very nice picks. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select. Like I was saying before, the Hornets really like James Wiseman. That's why at number three, I'm taking James Wiseman. Hornets need anything, really, on their team. The Hornets are not a nice team, and they need anything. And I think you pair Devontae Graham alongside James Wiseman, who, for all the same reasons that you've said before, gives you a possibility of having a nice future tandem of Devontae Graham and James Wiseman. I think... It has been said that Michael Jordan really likes him. And I think when Michael Jordan really likes a player, he's going to take him. And I think, you know, there's a possibility for boom or bust with James Wiseman, but he's got that potential to be that running mate that Devontae Graham can have. So that's why I've got him for the Hornets at number three. I agree with everything you said. Just one pick different. But (laughs) at my number three, I've got a Kongwu to the Charlotte Hornets (laughs) because pretty much everything you said about three minutes ago he's for a big he's got unbelievable touch clever got good decision making and there's there's signs that he could develop into a stretch big which i think 
at his size, probably considered an undersized center at six foot eight, six foot eight, six foot nine. It's important for him to be able to develop into a stretch big. And, you know, in that, 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 again, that's his biggest downside is that he is six foot nine, potentially six foot eight. And unless you are extremely versatile, something like a bam under bio, you don't want to be undersized in the East when you're going against Joel Embiid and Giannis for the next no. 10 years, especially with Giannis. Um, and another con is the chances of him evolving into, evolving into a playmaker seem very unlikely. So yeah. apart from his size, though, like you said, probably the most NBA-ready big for a team that wanted to compete, obviously like the Charlotte Hornets, who were probably <laughs> So, yeah, I've got a Kongwu going to the Charlotte Hornets. With the fourth pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Chicago Bulls select... Isaac Okoro. Benjamin, as the Ooh, official Bulls okay. GM. I'm trying to help you out here, you're right? Um, yeah. He fills mm-hmm. a serious void in this Bulls team, which is wings. I don't have to watch many Bulls games to work that yes. out. Um, look, <laughs> his pros, he has the ability to be a complete defensive juggernaut and a floor general on the defensive end and a leader on the defensive end that anyone that has ever watched three minutes of Chicago Bulls games could tell you that they need. They've got offensive weapons, Kobe White and Zach Levine. They need someone who can be the, hopefully a bit more talented Draymond Green, but that voice on the defensive end, that versatile voice on the defensive end. And from everything that we've seen, Isaac Okoro could be that guy. Um, He's not going to be a, he's never going to have the ability to lead an offense. Um, 60% free throw shooter and under 30% from three. But if you can, you know, train him to be at least a, good three-point shooter, at least not a liability. I think his defense makes up for a serious void in this Bulls team who I'm not sure if I would agree, but they would feel they have a pretty strong chance of making a run for the playoffs at the bottom of the East next year. So on your behalf, on your Bulls behalf, I've taken Isaac. (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, But I actually didn't take Isaac Okara for the simple reason of I think that the wing class next year is incredibly deep and strong. So part of me thinks that I maybe save it to then. And instead, at four, I take your man, Obi Topin. I think yes. you can bring, you have the chance to bring in a really mature power forward who I think probably is going to have better production than marketing. And if they want to keep marketing another year, you could, you know, put those two in and have a have one of them run wing. But I think... I just think Obi Topin brings a maturity to this young baby Bulls team that you sort of need. I mean, they're all very young players with in the starting lineup, at least. I think you have a locked up um, backcourt in Kobe White and Zach Levine. I think center Wendell Carter. I really like him. I like his I like his ability down there. And then you bring in Obi Topin, who I guess together with Wendell Carter would form a relatively small front court. However, I think he has this electric ability to get to the rim. He also has, you know, a nice stroke from three-point line. From the three-point line, however, you know, he's still trying to work it out, as a lot of bigs do when they transition from college to the NBA. But I think Obi brings – I think the biggest thing for me was the maturity that he can bring to the, this young team. Yeah. Well, while we're on the subject of Obi Toppin, do we want to do who we think is going to have the most impact straight away? I don't know if you have it as Obi Toppin, but while we're on the subject, he was my guy. And as you know, I reckon he's the most NBA-ready out of everyone in this draft class. And I think the only reason I had him falling out of my top eight is ageism. There's something about GMs not wanting to draft yeah. someone who's over 22 years old already compared to someone who's 19, which is ridiculous considering how many 19-year-olds flail out. Exactly. Believe me, I'm a Knicks fan. I've seen at least seven in my <laughs> lifetime. 
Um, he has the ability to be a that small ball five, I think, on any contender. Can shoot. He can shoot the three. He shoots thirty nine percent from three as a as a you know as a small ball big, which is at in college that's about as good as it gets for these guys. Like he said, seems like he can be a leader. Seems like he's got that gym rat mentality, and I think the only chance he goes in the top eight is a team like the Bulls. I think that's his only ticket into the top eight. A team that needs a a uh, a player like Obi Topin. So I like that pick. Yeah, he's my impact player straight away, which I think is why I had him on the Bulls as well. Because for all the things you said, I mean, if, I think what teams need to realize is the maturity that he brings at such a young age for a team like the Bulls, which are so young, or even for a team like Hornets, which after this year are going to be a really young team. I think that's something that you want. Or even someone like the Hawks. Like, this is a mature guy who can come in and make an impact straight away at the powerful position and do most things that you would require from a small ball big. So, yeah, I have him as my easy um, impact player. Beautiful. Well said, both of you. With the fifth pick in the NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select. They take um, Isaac Okoro. It seems as if we're switching picks here, Mankin. I have Okoro going five. Um, for a lot of things that you said, I think the Cavs, I guess they have their guards sorted out in Garland and Sexton, even though I don't like those two as a combination. You can bring in a great defensive wing, as you said, and help that small backcourt that they've created there in Cleveland. I think he has great defensive ability, and I just think it's what you need. When you have two incredibly small, young guards, you need someone who can come in and just help them on the defensive end and make sure that they're not just getting exposed every single possession. I think the Cavs do need a lot of help, and I think Okoro can be the start of that. Couldn't agree with you more. I've gone an alternative route. I think this is the the first wildcard pick we've got to see. I think the Cavs take Denny Avdija from Israel. Oh, for similar reasons you said in which they don't need a guard, but I think whilst they also know they don't need a guard, they know that their guard duo doesn't, isn't going to work. Isn't a championship backcourt. Mm-hmm. And I think someone like a Denny of gives you the flexibility to get rid of one of them because he's got playmaking ability. You've still got two playmakers on the court, um, but he is a complete wild card because he's a classic European prospect in which Americans yep. Pretend Europe don't exist and never scout him enough. It's the most American thing ever. It's happened with Luka Doncic, and I think he's going to go high because everyone's going to have a bit of FOMO from Luka Doncic. Yeah, and I do. Th- I don't think he's going to be great, but I do think the Cavs take him. There is upside. He's definitely got a high ceiling. Brilliant playmaker. He's a smart defender. He's played pro ball at a young age, a bit like what we saw from Luka. Luka's not a great defender, but you can tell he's clever and you can tell he- he's understanding the game. Um. His physically physical presence, physical presence on the inside, can shoot threes and layups, which is going to work in the NBA. Um, obviously, there's definitely holes with his shooting still, fifty six percent from three, so fifty six percent from the free th- free throw line, which never bodes well um, for becoming reliable shooters in the NBA. But you know, I think the Cavs take him because I think the Cavs are want to take a swing. They know their backcourt's not going to be their backcourt for the next 10 years. And if you're going to take a swing and if you're going to get take a swing and not get killed for it in the future as a GM, this is the draft where you can get away with it without losing your job. Mm, so exactly. I'm taking Denny Avdija. Not bad. Not bad. Lovely picks, boys. Lovely picks. With the sixth pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Atlanta Hawks select... Tyrese Halliburton, because 
if the Hawks plan to build a team around the worst defender in the league in Trey Young, <laughs> you need someone who can defend. And for me, it was between him and Devin Hassel as the two guys who I think have uh, defensive capabilities at this spot in the draft. But I gave it to Tyrese because I think he's got much higher playmaking potential, which was a problem for the Hawks because Trey Young was the only one who was initiating offense. Um, he's a physical gift, has could be an elite perimeter defender. And from what, everything that's been said, a coach's dream, does all the little things on the court. He's smart, makes good rotations. Uh, the only downside is his odd shooting form. And he's not a great dribbler, but I feel like there are things that he can develop. And I think he's a good fit alongside Trey Young. Fits a need for him. Good upside. So I'm taking Tyrese Halliburton. Well, would you believe it? At the sixth pick, I also have Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, for all the same things you said, but I think for number one, it's the fact that you have the worst defender in the league at point guard. Give him some help at shooting guard. And Tyrese Halliburton is that. And he's also a sophomore. And again, the whole maturity thing comes in again. The older you come into the NBA, the more mature you are going to be, and that's a fact. And I think he helps out again that young Hawks team to get just a little bit more mature and have someone else in the dressing room who can just help them out on defense. God, we're good. We, we are, are so good. Great minds think alike. How do we not have a job in the NBA yet? It is unbelievable. <laughs> God, you guys are cute. Do you know what's even cuter? With the seventh pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons select. Before they put in their pick, they just want to say, Adam Silver, uh, Tim, you have been doing an incredible job oh. in this draft. And I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, Look, I'm not going to so- lie to you guys. It's taking a toll. Um, <laughs> I may need the next week off. So <laughs> We couldn't have done it without you. Well, that's, that's the thing. Some, some, people, some people just have to be there for things to succeed. And me, it's me. I mean, I don't sleep it eight hours you. a day. I don't sleep eight hours a day. <laughs> the stock market's already been open for two hours. <laughs> already open. Uh, well, like like we said, at number seven, the Pistons are going to take Lamelo Ball. Wow! Wow! And I I struggled with this pick because the Pistons are just one of the worst teams in the league and have one of the worst outlooks in the league for the next five years. And I thought, why not take LaMelo Ball for an identity thing? I think anywhere LaMelo Ball goes, it's going to be a hot spot for media and for fans to want to, you know, partake in the team's activities. And I think LaMelo Ball gives you that. He gives you the identity. He gives you playmaking. Um, And he's going to replace Derrick Rose. He'll probably be on his way out within the next two years. I mean, the Pistons just suck, man. There's, There's no other way to say it. And I think they need anything. So if you need anything, why not take a player that could either boom or bust? And that's, for me, LaMelo Ball. Ben? No. <laughs> ben? <laughs> no. <laughs> With the seventh pick, the Detroit Pistons are taking LaMelo Ball. Oh, my gosh. You know what the, you know what the Detroit Pistons need? Identity. They need oh my God. the face of the franchise. <laughs> they are one of the most least interesting franchises in the NBA. And if anyone can afford a Hail Mary and who anyone who needs a Hail Mary, it's the Detroit Pistons. And LaMelo Ball is is the Hail Mary of this draft. Could not say it better myself, Ben. (laughs) We talk, look, as a player, I think everyone would agree he's the best passer in the draft. Mm -hmm. From what we say, he looks like, Kevin O'Connor said it best, he looks like he's playing with the Harlem Globetrotters sometimes. And... (laughs) He has the, he, he's a brilliant defender, even though he can lack discipline on the defensive end. You can tell he can be a very good defender if he put his mind to it. 
And that's really the only con about him. The only negative is people don't like his attitude. He's just got this awe about him. Obviously, he's lived in the spotlight his whole life. And he just, I don't know, the hunger question mark is huge because that's a big part of whether you make it in the league. Like this guy's grown up very well. He's been told how brilliant he is from a young age. And it's not a definitive factor of how successful you're going to be, but it raises huge question marks if you're a team. And the only team that can worth losing is the Detroit Pistons because they suck. And if he pays off, he's the face of the franchise for 15 years. And that's why I've got the Miller bought seven to Detroit Pistons. Wow. I, I'm not going to lie. When I made this mock draft, I really didn't think that we would agree this much. But this no, is, I thought there was this no is beautiful. This it is makes, beautiful. It's good because it feels like a, it justifies why I'd pick people where I do. <laughs> Great work, boys. Great work. Just this... This dynamic threesome, the <laughs> what we've got going here, is great. It's great. Uh, which leads me to the final pick. With the eighth pick in the NBA draft, the New York Knicks select the New York Knicks steal. Don't select; they steal Killian Hayes at the eighth pick. And if anyone listens to Rent the Ringer. Um, Kevin O'Connor has been talking this guy as the number one pick for a few months now. Never thought he was the number one pick, but I think we're going to steal him at eight. And I think it's very often a New York Knicks fan can say after draft night, wow, we did well. And I think we are <laughs> going to say that come draft night. He's so much upside, six foot five, six foot eight wingspan. One of the most creative players in the draft. He's got an unbelievable potential as a shooter. He shoots 90% free throws already, which is unbelievable. Really good playmaker, as I said. He's not a great athlete, and he's pretty dominant to his left hand. But if I look at the way the game's played today, you don't need to be fast because it's so skill-based. It so much depends on how skillful you are. Just look at Luka Doncic, typical white guy. Doesn't look like he can jump, but he still balls out. Triple-double king for the next 10 years. And I don't think the left hand dominant matters because we've seen players like Ginobili and D'Angelo Russell, who've only got one hand, still dominate in the league. So I think the Knicks still killing Hayes at eight. This has been a really cute finish to the NBA draft because I have Killian Hayes going oh to the Knicks at eight too. <laughs> I think the only thing that you worry about as a Knicks fan is the fact that you know you've had French guards come in before and not really work out, namely okay. Frank Milikina, who just so we're clear was another person Kevin O'Connor was quite high on. Um, but I mean, he's eighteen years old coming into the league at eighteen years old. It gives you so much time to develop, so much time for this Knicks team to see what he's got. And for all the same things that you said, I think he's a really interesting prospect. And, you know, if you're the Knicks and you think logically, it's time to just let it happen and let this full reboot rebuild just go the way it should be and let a super young point guard take over the take over the reins. So I've got Killian Hayes at number eight too. This has been unbelievable so far. I think it just shows that we both just have superior GM minds and are able to make the correct picks. Glad you said that. Exactly what I was thinking. I think it shows that we know what's going to happen draft night. And <laughs> if we were GMs of bad teams, they wouldn't be bad teams for long. That's really oh, no. what's going on. Oh, no, they wouldn't. We would be, it'd be Spurs 3, Warriors 2, like a big gap, and then us at 1, joint exactly. GM ship, get yeah. around a podcast. Obviously with Tim, because we couldn't have done the... The success is, is based on Tim being here. If we didn't know who was picking, I don't think we'd be lost. I wouldn't be able to pick. Guys, I don't like to take credit for a lot. But credit is due to me. It is. I mean, look, I let you guys fly. I am I'm like your little zookeeper. You know, I let you out for your little half an hour while you while you fly around, explore the world, 
create create stuff and and, and look I'll say it I'm probably the best owner that there is because you know I have to I have to I have to show that you know you guys are my GMs you guys you guys are the forefront you guys are the front I'm the back and everyone loves it out back you know party in the front business in the back there it is and that's it for this week's podcast guys thank you very much for listening make sure you guys follow us on twitter at get around it pod and like us on facebook at get around it podcast thanks guys and bye